Welcome everyone to another episode of Where's This Going? Before we get started, I want to thank my amazing sponsor, U.S. Wellness Meats. They supply grass-fed and pasture-raised meats that are loaded with good nutrition like conjugated linoleic acid, also known as CLA, omega-3 amino acids, and a host of vitamins and minerals. CLA is a cancer fighter, muscle builder, and supports immune functions among many other health benefits. Omega-3s, as we know, are anti-inflammatories. They specialize in a variety special diets and they have hundreds of paleo keto whole 30 sugar-free and aip autoimmune protocol friendly foods we encourage people to know their food and know their farmer their food and farms have been featured in numerous major publications best-selling cookbooks and broadcasts including the new york times chicago herald paleo magazine and many many others they ship anywhere in the country for only nine dollars and fifty cents for shipping and handling and most orders are delivered within 24 to 48 hours of leaving their facility use promo code podcast that's p-o-d-c-a-s-t for 15 percent off of everything on the u.s wellnessmeats.com store my next guest today is one of the absolute best comedians out there You've probably seen him on Def Comedy Jam, Comedy Central. He is always working at the Comedy Cellar. I personally saw him open for Dave Chappelle on Broadway. He is undoubtedly one of the most successful and one of the best current comedians alive. My next guest is Will Sill Vince. Hey, Felix. Thank you so much What's for going being on? here. Thanks for having me. I just want to first say that I'm, I'm truly honored to have you on the show. You I told you this before. Are I, you I really? am. No, I, I swear to God, I am. I got your email. I thought it was a, a prank or something, <laughs> or someone trying to set me up. And I mean, it, the, the entrance to the studio looks like it could be a little it bit of a like, prank. It looked like a kidnapping. It looked thing. like, yeah, everybody yeah. thinks I'm going to kill them, but I swear I'm not going to kill you. <laughs> um, but I saw you, I had known of you um, as a comedian, but I'd never seen you perform. And then I saw you for the first time opening for Chappelle. That's the first time you saw that me was the live? First, that was the first time I saw you live. And then I saw you a week later at the cellar. That was a fun night. That it, was, it was that was when you and like and David Tell was going crazy that night. Oh David Tell, dude. That that, that dude is a is a killer. Dave, I like talking to Dave or like performing with Dave because he he allows us or comedians to like, you know, join him in conversation while he does stand up and he just whatever you throw at him, he'll it was, just make it It's go. amazing. Well, yeah, also, like, like the, just the, the dynamic between bouncing off of you, about him bouncing off of you and you kind of bouncing off of him and his ability to just, like, on the spot. I've never, like, that yeah, is amazing. Yeah, I mean, like, he... They, they, if there's, a, if there's a, a slow moment, in a, in a few seconds, there'll be a big moment. David just, he's a joke machine. He's like, his, his mind must be racing nonstop, like, constantly. You know, I feel like jokes are... Or just you know, people who smart—they're constantly solving things in their head, and you—they need fuel. Like if if they're at home by themselves, is it is does doesn't do them any justice. But they need fuel, so I just throw stuff at Dave, and he just freaking hit them out the and park. The best part is that he always has the same look on his face when he's—he <laughs> like, doesn't, doesn't yes, change I mean, expression. Most geniuses look at look at Einstein. Einstein had the same yeah. look on his face. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's also, it's a different, I mean, you're talking about comedy, you think, like, I don't think you see the guy smile, he only smiles, he has, like, a half smile. He's got time smile. He, his mind is, like, thinking about the next joke, probably 10 jokes, he's 10 jokes ahead. It's, it's incredible. And so he, his facial expression ain't got time, because we got time to think about facial expressions, where he don't have time, he used all his power to think about, like, 25 jokes in the future. You're right. Okay, anyways, so, very glad to have you on, but before we get started, what's a little something for the people listening that, that we don't know about you? Mm. Um, probably that I didn't know what maiden name was for a long time. Not, not now, but, you know, coming up. So I just thought it was my, my mama's name. I thought that was just a fancy way of saying, what's your mama's name? And then how did you figure out? Oh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know how I figured it out. I just, because I, and you figure like with, with our phones and, and, and the internet or what you, you, I could just Google, but I was too lazy to just do that, <laughs> you and know? So how many just, years until, until you found out? Oh, dude, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just walked around. You ever like someone say a word and you just act like you know it? So yeah. Dumb? <laughs> yeah. I, I would just, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah. That's the maiden name. She, she should go by her name or her maiden name. I didn't know what I was talking about. So I first want to get into it. You, I've watched a lot of interviews with you, a lot of your stand-up in the past few days especially. And what I always like to, to see or hear about is the process in which you write your, your comedy. And a lot of people, um, you know, talk about you as being an incredible writer. <laughs> <laughs> Who is these people? Is, my, is that my aunt? <laughs> It's not your aunt. It's, it's, other, it's other, other comedians. But we talk about your writing process and how you come and gather your material. Um, I, you know, the sad thing is I don't write jokes because I don't, I don't want to make them feel like they're, they're scripted, even though, like, sometimes we'll say the same bit. But I try to make them as organic as possible and as real at the moment, if that makes sense, you know? So if, if you ask me something and you ask me again tomorrow, it's almost like when, you, when someone asks you, something happened to you at work. And your mother be like, what happened to you at work? And you're like, Ma, you ain't gonna believe this, what happened at work. Then your father come home, you're gonna, you're gonna tell your father with, like, with the newness that you told your mom. You're not gonna be like, ah, oh, dad, I already told mom. Just go ask her the story. All right, what happened? No, you're gonna say, ah, oh, dad, what's gonna happen? You know what I'm saying? So I, I feel like when I, when, I, when I used to write my jokes down, I used to try to remember the wording and not the feeling. Mm. That makes sense? And so, so I feel like the more the real, the more real the jokes are to, to me, or true the way I, I don't have to remember them because it's true, it happened, that makes sense? It, As opposed to, because they, they some joke writers where they just write jokes that had nothing to do with their lives. And I understand they have to write them to remember them. But I try to talk about like what I experienced or what I went through, or, and I try to bring that feeling back. And you talk about bringing that same energy to when you're, when you're telling a joke. And I think what's, what I'm not a comedian, but I would imagine for a comedian who's doing multiple sets in a night, maybe the same set for a week, how do you kind of bring that same energy to every single set, even though, you know, you may be repeating jokes and repeating, uh, you know, some of your work? How do you bring that same energy to make sure that the crowd is going to get the best reaction every time? You mean... So it's not, it don't sound stale. So it don't sound stale, so it sounds fresh, so it sounds like... I, I try to remember the very first time I, I tell a joke, how, you know, how I was holding the mic, you know, what, what, what my eyes was doing, how my body was, because that, that, that newness, it's almost like any relationship that 
that first couple of weeks is like, but then it starts to get stale because, but if you keep keeping it fresh and remember like, oh, I was holding the mic like this, I was doing this. And, and, and I had this excitement in my voice, the way I, I pronounced certain words. And so I try to remember that, that the, or basically the feeling, how that joke made me felt at the time. You know, obviously there's some jokes, you know, that they're time sensitive, where it's not, you know, but if you're telling a story about your life, those are, I feel like those are timeless. You know, that makes sense. Mm. And do you ever, do you ever physically write down jokes? Just bullet points, but not like, just so I can remember, because I, I, have, I have a bad memory, and, and plus just, especially if I'm doing like a, a, a TV show, I'll just write the bullet points, just so I make sure I hit the marks. And do you remember the first, can you tell us the first moment you did stand-up? Uh, this place called Uptown Comedy Club. How old are you? Oh, I don't, I don't even know how old I was. It was a long time ago, like 93. Okay. How old are you now? 50. Okay. Okay, so that's like... I'm about to die. <laughs> 50 for Hopefully white not. people is like 95 or something. <laughs> it's um, like dog years, it's, right? <laughs> dog years. You multiply by 13. Do you remember the feeling you got? Was it... Did you know in that second, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life? I know, at that, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I just I was just happy to be on stage. I was excited. I was My blood was rushing. I probably took a, a, a dump before I went on stage. My, my stomach was in bubbles. Um, no, I didn't know. I just, I, it was just something I was doing. I, I didn't even think I was good at it. I remember the first time I got paid, I was like, I was like, you for real? I got paid like $75, you know, to do like a five, 10 minute set. And, um, I, I almost gave it back. Mm. I almost gave the guy, I said, no, dude, it's, no, no, it's, it's fine. Like, I couldn't believe he was paying me for this. And, um, and I, I kept, I kept it though. Is it ever weird for you that you get paid to make people laugh not no more <laughs> not anymore not no more sorry not anymore so my my past coming back to haunt me my <laughs> ignorant past not anymore and you grew up so you grew up in brooklyn yeah east new york okay and have you lived here since yeah yeah born and raised born and brooklyn. raised yeah. ever since and what also what's really nice i think with the work you do and especially talking about your Movie I'm Maurice. Where where's that at right now? We're trying to find funding. Okay. Where we need to raise seven fifty, seven hundred fifty thousand, and we then we go into production. So before we get to that, GoFundMe.com slash I am Maurice. Yep. Go donate right now. But with uh, I saw I was watching the the trailer of it. Really good trailer. Thanks. Um, people should check it out. It's about I mean. You, you want to tell us? No, you could tell. I, you want, me, you yeah, want to see yeah. if I do it? If I do it well, it's about a Haitian immigrant that comes to the U.S. and tries to pursue a boxing career. Yep. And uh, you know, in that process, is homeless for a while and kind of talks about that the struggle and how I I mean, in my interpretation, how some people think in America there's this idea of the American dream for immigrants, but it's not like that at all. Yes, but. Um, the story is more about his fight outside the ring than inside the ring. Right. And yes, it's not like that at all. But coming from where he's coming from, you know, no matter how hard you work, there is probably no less or very or no opportunity where he came from versus in America, nothing's guaranteed. But if you really work really hard and bust your ass, 
And there's a very small chance for opportunity, small, tiny chance, and for that alone is worth it. You know, that small, tiny chance versus no chance, no matter how hard you work, you're going to be in the same boat. And is, and the, 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 the inspiration behind the, the name is, your dad's name is Maurice? Yeah, the, well, the whole movie is, is, is bits and pieces of my life to tell this story. Um, my dad is Maurice, and my dad, just like the character, he came from Haiti with nothing and built his, you know, got, my dad's got a bunch of degrees, and then he busted his ass, got a great job, and, then, you know, took care of his family. And so just like the character, he came here with nothing. And um, the, my best friend in the film, uh, Patrice, is my best friend in real life who passed away, Patrice O'Neill. Um, the trainer is my real life trainer, Stephen Frank. Uh, check out stephenfrankboxing.com. Uh, the love interest is the first girlfriend I ever had. Um, uh, the, the antagonist is uh, the first bully that ever bullied me in the seventh grade. Well, how'd he, how'd he bully you? <laughs> me, how he bullied me. <laughs> he, beat, he beat me up. He, uh, I, I didn't have any money to take, so, but he just, he just, I, I remember in the seventh, we had like, uh, we was in, in the, the whole school was in the schoolyard, like during like lunch or whatever. And um and they just came up, him and his boys just came up to me and just started like, you know, pushing me around. And I didn't know what um attention and at ease meant. And he kept saying, attention, attention. I'm like, I didn't know nothing about the military at the time. So I'm like, and he kept saying, I said attention. And then his boy um came up to me and said, When when someone says attention, you stand like this and you like this. I I okay, okay. Attention. I'm like, and then they, they, and they, 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 um, cause they kept smacking me in the head and punched me in the chest every time I was messing up. And then he said, I'd, at ease. I didn't know what at ease was. I just kept, <laughs> I, I thought it was attention, but more intense, like, <laughs> and then, uh, and it was like, no, at ease is this. And, and you just, I'm like, oh, okay. So I learned as, while I was getting bullied, I also learned about the military. So it was good and bad. Good and bad, I suppose. What was your dad's reaction to when you told him about your idea of, of kind of producing this, this oh movie. no my dad passed away before any of that before any of that yeah yeah okay. yeah matter of fact i remember i remember um uh toying with the idea of telling him i want to be a comic comedian but he was like for what <laughs> tell a joke tell me a joke i'm like i'm on the spot i couldn't and my dad i never joked around with so when he said that i was like uh i guess i won't be doing that yeah and you talk about also the the first time that you went behind your your family's back to do comedy, or they weren't support, or that's not what they had hoped. Yeah, I was doing it behind their back, and um, and I landed a gig on the Apollo, and um, my my brother said, "Your mom saw you on TV." So the thing is, my mother's normally in bed at 10, 10 p.m. The Apollo came on at twelve or one a.m., and so she's not up at that time ever, except to go pee. Or if one of us is coughing. She's like, what happened? What what you coughing? Like, so I remember I was young. I was trying not to cough. So because my mother, she'll put Vicks on your chest for no reason. <laughs> so I would hold my cough. So so she's never up at that time. So when when, when my brother said she was up watching the show, I'm like, well, that was random. Why that show, that particular show out of all the shows, she never, ever watched the show. Intuition. Now she's watching that one show that I'm on. And so I was nervous. So I went to the house. It was like seven of her friends in the living room. They were talking. And when I walked in the living room, they all stopped talking. And one of them pointed at me and go, is that the comedian there? 
<laughs> and then I'm like, oh, shoot. And then they all just started laughing. I ain't say nothing. They just started laughing. And then my mother said that one of her favorite jokes was, was one, of the, one of the... So at the time, the Apollo was trying to be more risque. Right. So I did this joke. She said it was her favorite joke. And she wanted me to repeat it. I'm like, I never, ever cursed in front of my mother. And I, was, I would not repeat that joke. Wow. And were you, were you a funny kid naturally? Were you ever like the class I was clown? A, I was a clown. More like, more like I was a, pra- a prankster. Like I'll hide behind a wall and scare the shit out of my brothers. And, or people, I'll tap their shoulder. They'll turn around and look and no one's standing there. Yeah. Stupid <laughs> shit like that. Just like, just an, I was more of annoyance. Like a, mm. like a gnat or a fly. Okay, and do you remember the first time that you felt like I made it? <laughs> no, that, no, that, you, that feeling still haven't happened. It still hasn't. <laughs> but do you think? Do you think you need that lack of feeling to continue to push yourself? Um, you know, I look at other people who 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 have so called made it, but they still working like they haven't made it. So and now I realize there's. I don't think there's a feeling. I think it's is a passion and, and there's no finish line. Mm-hmm. Like, look at Chappelle. Chappelle, he's, like, killing it. And he got tons of money. Look at him. Um, or, like, Will Smith, who's still making movies, and he probably got tons of money. Um, uh, Damon Wayne's another one. Like, these people who, who, who's still working, like, they're hungry. And not everybody, but, you know, we could go into the people who, like, once they made it, they, they totally fell off. Yeah. But I'm talking about there's a key, there's a, a few people who's still doing it, like like they're still in the in the fire, still like you know have rent to pay. Yeah. Do you speaking of Dave? As I mentioned, that was I saw you uh, open for him on on Broadway. You did five of the ten shows. Do you have any best memories? Dave with Dave Chappelle. Um. Okay. Dave keeps telling his story. Well, I'm going to tell my version. Right, so the first time I met Dave was a long time ago. And so he did the show, and, then, and you know, he was going to go, everybody was a nice set. And then, and then I said nice, I actually said nice set. And then we started talking about video games. And I just invited him to my house. I said, yeah, you want to go home, go to my how house and play video games? How many years games? ago was this? Oh, it's like 92 or something, okay. or 93. And then he, we came over to my house and we started playing video games. You know, but he uh, may seem like, his story is, you know, I first met Will. Everybody said, nice set, Dave. Nice set. When I get to Will, we go, yo, you want to come to my house and play video games? I'm like, I'm like you, I think you missed a couple of lines. At <laughs> And what's he kind of like behind, I mean, I could imagine. Actually, I won't even imagine. What's he like behind, off, off stage and in a small, closed environment? All right. Dave, off stage, man, he's, um, I watch him, like, he just loves people. I lo- he loves talking to people. I think his fuel or his comedy comes from people. So I like I remember one time was we he and I was walking somewhere, and somebody stopped him, and for like f- maybe twenty to twenty five minutes he's just talking to his lady. She she must have been like sixty or something. He's just talking to her, and I and then when he was done, I'm like, what do you know from her? She said, oh no no she's just she's just a fan. And she, I said oh you're still talking to an old lady for twenty minutes that that you don't even know. Yeah. And and she was like, you know, and I watched him like talking to people that he met along. And like people would come up to him, Dave, I know you're not going to remember me, but but we met in 98. And then, then Dave starts, Dave, you could give him a little thing. He, he, saw, he remembers, he remembers, he remembers people, especially the ones who are interesting or fascinating. He remembers small details. 
And then, and then uh, the reason I say that because there was one person who was like, you just, you're just saying that. And then he went into details about the, wow. the meeting. I'm like, wow. So I think one of his gifts is just his memory and, and had his, his, um, um, his passionate about people or his, you know, like he really cares. It seems also even, you know, the fact that he's not really on social media and it's always his shows are always no phones. Because, you know, he, he's, he, want, he likes the, the moment. Right. Like, and that's why he, when he meets people, right. the, you, th- th- these are things you can't share on so- social no, media. No, and I think, that's, I think that's a special, like when I, when I went to the Chappelle show, it was the first time that I've ever had my phone locked up like that. And yeah. you feel like it's, it's yeah. what's so nice is that you, you know that you're going to be present. For two hours, it's yep. going to be an intimate, almost like an intimate experience with you and and the performer. Whether it's you opening or if it's Dave or it's the band, you feel like you're actually. It doesn't matter what you don't have to post it on Instagram for to look good. You feel like it's going to be you and that person. Also, you 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 catch that moment because now you're not distracted. Because you know, like one thing that happens a lot during, now is like people be on their phone. And be like, oh shoot, what happened? What I missed? Now you talking to this person, and he's telling you what you missed. Now y'all missing even more stuff that's yeah. happening because the show doesn't stop while wow, this guy right, explains right, right. what you missed. And so, they, and then there's pockets of that. They, or when someone pull out their phone, other people see that, like, oh yeah, that reminds me, I got to check my messages. You know what I'm saying? So now it's, a, it's like living in the '90s or the '80s where you're just in the moment, absorbing. You know, and right. not, not- no, I, I agree with that. And what other than like his memory and that kind of personability of Dave? What do you think as a comedian? Obviously, making people laugh, but more so, why do you think? What do you think makes Dave Chappelle so great? His his complex intelligence, if that makes sense. He he's able to take. He's really smart, he's so but able smart. to take these things that that either was either these two these two things about Dave. Either I would, I could I always say I could never think of that. That's way. Oh, I'm like oh shit, that was right there in my face. How come I didn't use that? So there's always those things where he takes the simplest things or the most complex things. And make them into comedy magic, you know, comedy gold. And do you, as a as a as a comedian who's who's been around for a long time now, how do you feel like your own personal progression? I mean, you know, I think the '90s was a definitely a different era for comedy than the 2000s, and now you know it's almost 2020. How do you feel like comedy has progressed as a whole, and then you as a comedian has progressed as well? Um, me as. A com- I, I'm getting better a little bit. Well, for you, what does is, what is getting better mean? Okay, so Patrice O'Neill taught me this thing about doing a joke a thousand times but making it sound like it's the first time, that, like we were talking right. earlier. And it just, uh, it just saying it like, and, he, and he's the one that taught me about remember where your eyes were, remember how you was hoping to, holding the mic, you know, how you were standing, you know, telling that joke. But, but you know, but you got to pretend like you, you haven't said it. Like, oh, you or oh, or not, or, or you know, just pretend it's like it's a new person who haven't heard the story or heard the joke. So you gotta say it with that same, that same energy, like you're excited about telling this person. Do you have a same kind of ritual or superstition that you do before getting on stage? What's what's going on in your mind before you? Before I used to you get take a stage? dump back in the day, but now I stopped doing that. Why? <laughs> yeah, I, I changed. I changed my eating habits actually. Really? Yeah. How yeah, so? I used, well, um, I used to weigh 220 pounds. I read that. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. You and, dropped um, down to 150. Dropped down to 150. That's, that's insane. Do you have a picture? Well, maybe yeah, after. Yeah, I got pictures. Maybe show me after. Um, it just, it would just, you know, you know, you, you ever hear people say, like, live your life, you could die tomorrow? Well, 
the way I was living my life, I felt like I was going <laughs> to die tomorrow. I had hypertension, high blood pressure, diabetes, two bad knees, uh, bad ankles, a bad back. But my back, I had a back problem once a month, never fails. Like, it would hurt so bad. Even when I inhale or breathe, it would hurt. So I would have to inhale very softly because I could feel my, you know, I, I didn't know where it was. You know, and we blame everything but the foods we eat. You know, all the, it must have been the way I slept. Oh, you know what? I, this, this bed gave me diabetes. You know, but instead of what it is, is, is the foods that we're eating. The, the, they, the foods that we're eating, it's going to come out more than one way, not just through your shit. It's going to come out through diabetes, uh, extra butt cheek, you know, hypertension, you know, bad vision. You know, so it, in these foods, that's what it's doing to us. So once I changed my diet, I, I slowly started healing myself. So how? No, oh, so now I live... Instead of like live like I'm gonna die tomorrow, now I live like I'm gonna live tomorrow. I know that sounds corny, but no, no, no. And what's your diet like now? I still I still uh, struggle with sugar. <laughs> so that's my that's my that's one of my final fights. Um, I'm a vegan. You're a full vegan now. But I'm not an asshole. <laughs> that's a, that's a good distinction face. to make. Like what the hell are you doing with that? Don't step on that roach. <laughs> I'm not kill that roach. Kill it. <laughs> um, um, I'm more like a vegan slash. I want to be more plant based. My my ultimate goal to be plant based and raw raw foods. So you were at 220. I mean, now it looks like you don't have a fucking ounce of fat on you. Um, yeah, I got I got flabby skin probably. How how many years ago? And how how was, how long did it take you to go from 220 to 150? Eleven months. That's 11 it. Months, average of two pounds to three pounds a week. Wow. Yeah, but when you lose it slowly, it you you give your body time to retract, retract the skin. If you lose it too quick, then then your skin just... And how old were you? Or, that was 2000. So 2006 is when I just, I made a lot of changes. I, you know, I changed my diet, changed the way I think about, think about life. And I just asked myself, what, what do I really want? Do I want, do I want these foods or do I want to be healthier? And that was it. Once I decided, you know, I want to be healthier. So healthier meant, I can't mess with these foods. It's like it's like a bad relationship where where the sex is good. She fucks the shit out of you, but then soon she finished fucking you, she beat your ass. She mm. called your she called your mama a cunt. She <laughs> steals your money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She embarrasses you in front of your friends, and that's what bad foods are like. It's like it's good in your mouth. That's the sex part. <laughs> it's so I'm I'm orgasming all, every time every bite I take. But as soon as it goes down my neck, I, you know, fuck you, motherfucker, you ain't yeah. shit. Mm. Was there something that prompted? that kind of change in mindset in 2006? Uh, it was two things happened. Uh, I, I, it was like, it still took me some time. I think 2004, I did some show in Colorado and they put me in a, like, a five-star hotel and there was mirrors everywhere. And, um, and when, I, when, I, when I'm in nice hotels, I just walk around naked and shit. <laughs> you know, I'd be on the phone calling girls, yeah, you should be here. Look at this, bitch. <laughs> And uh, I remember I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth, and I looked up in the mirror. There, some dude broke into my room, and I, I'm watching him backing up. I'm like, and I'm like, why is he naked? <laughs> and it was me. I didn't recognize my back fat. My back, oh my, my back looked like a lump of clay. And I was like, and I got so sad and depressed. Those might be. Those might. Be. And then I just went and. Put that robe on that they have. I just put it on. I didn't want to be naked anymore. And I remember I sat down, still brushing my teeth in, in the in the in the bedroom, and 
the TV was on, and it was talking about some athlete who was, um, I forgot who it was, who was in their 50s and still looking good. And it, that's when it hit me. I'm like, ah, oh, I have to. It's my diet. It's, it's like you can still be, it's not age, because I was like, oh, I'm getting old. And, and I'm like, no, it's not old. Old ain't got nothing to do with it. It's what you put in your mouth that's making you old. Did you, so then. That was is, a wake-up call. Was, uh, was there also, was the, it was working out, was it just your diet, or do you also was, work out as well? The, it was a combination. I, I, the, it was, number one thing was the diet. The diet is number one thing, because average, average person work out about one hour a day. You're not going to burn the calories that you're putting in your body right. in an hour. Right. You know, especially if you don't have a trainer, you're not pushing yourself. So that I was, because for many years, I would go to the gym on my own, work out for, and so mentally I was like, I'm doing the right thing, right? I'm, I'm working out. Or sometimes I just walk into the gym and, uh, and, and walk back out. And, and mentally I was like, oh, I went to the yeah. gym, right? Yeah. And I, I wasn't doing nothing. So, but the diet is the number one thing. You change your diet, then, then uh, actually the more you work, the more you, the more you eat right, the less you have to work out. Interesting. That's so my then, theory. So then what was, what was like a daily schedule or weekly schedule for you when you're going through like extreme cutting, weight cutting? Oh, well, I wasn't even thinking about weight cutting. I, I was thinking about more like more healthy. Did you have a goal? I, I you didn't like have any goals you, in mind? When you focus on weight, it, it, could be, it could be from healthy to not healthy. You could do a lot of unhealthy things to lose the weight. But I, I wanted to just focus on eating healthy. So meaning I had to cut out these foods never going back to these foods. You know, um, I hate when people call it like a treat day or cheat day or treat day. You get to, it's not treats. These are poison. Call it poison day because you're really giving your body poison. So, right. so I looked at like, okay, these foods are basically toxic and poison to my body and I, I can't go back to them. You know, so, so it's just like, will you ever go back to a high school? No, I won't. No, I, I feel like these foods are just like, like going back to your past. What were, what were some of the worst foods that you haven't eaten since? Ice cream. I've had ice cream since 2006. I had sorbet, but you know, ice cream, ice cream. You know, um, meat. Gave up meats. Um, I was a pescatarian for a long time, and then I became a vegan like about a year and a half ago. Um, yeah, just you know. How how is it being a vegan? Dairy or anything dairy. How how's that? How's your how's your experience being vegan? Do you find it easy? I'm still to... I'm still feeling out. I, I I thought it was gonna be hard, but it is it's cool. I, I have I I've been looking for foods that have more protein in them. Um but yeah, it's it's going good. And then how did you get into to boxing as well? So um uh, I realized I I just I always was fascinated by boxing and boxers. And then I found that I someone introduced me to Stephen Frank, and uh, and he was like the best trainer. Like I had trainers, not boxing trainers, just like a weight trainer or whatever. And and the routine was just like it was boring. We would do the same exercise day in day out, and I got bored. And and it was, I wasn't getting any results. And then Steve Stephen Frank came along. I just fell in love with boxing. Now I must say the first six months. Was hell. Was I was sweating. But I remember when when I left the gym, the way I felt, I wasn't sore. I had a lot of energy, and I kept thinking when I was on the train on my way home, 
I could beat anybody up on this train. Because what I went through, they didn't go through that shit. <laughs> so I love, I love the way it made me feel. My self-esteem, I, I had low self-esteem for years. <laughs> so boxing helped me boost my self-esteem up. So the more, the more uh, stronger and better I got, the more I wanted. You know what I'm saying? So I became, it's almost like, you heard of steroids? Jay Okerson told me, um, he understand why people keep taking steroids because you get stronger and you want to get stronger and stronger and right. they keep taking steroids more and more. So I felt like that, but without the steroids, I, I, I wanted to be more healthy. I wanted to be a better boxer. And so I, I found that, that exercise don't really work. You have to find a physical activity that you like to do and just do it a lot, whether it's playing handball or power walking or whatever. So it's just, it, ha it has to be some kind of physical thing you like to do and just do a lot of it. And do you have a, do you have a favorite boxer? Uh, Ali, Muhammad Ali, hands down. And what about today? I, because outside the ring, he was an amazing person and right. humanitarian, yeah. Right. And today, do you have a, a couple favorite boxers? Yeah, Muhammad Ali. But <laughs> yeah. uh, Pacquiao, uh, Tyson is still a favorite, favorite to watch his clips. Um, and then, uh, you know, everybody else is not, not the same, but it's just fun to watch the sport. And you said uh, before you got on, you box about three times a week? Three to four times, yeah. And how is that? Is that kind of help you in your preparation? I mean, so you maybe in the morning you go you box, and then you you're always working at night. What's your schedule like? Yeah, I wake up wise? about um I wake up about seven thirty, seven o'clock. Go boxing like eight nine o'clock. Box for about an hour, two hours, maybe sometimes three hours. Um, then I come home. I used to ride my bike. I, I, I sometimes I ride, not used to ride. Sometimes I ride my bike around. Be home by like three, four o'clock. Watch CNN, do some writing, reply to some emails, then head to the city to do some shows. Um, by six, seven o'clock, and then um, I'm done at three o'clock in the morning. So I, my, my right now, two of my biggest fights is cutting down the sugar and getting more sleep. How do you how do you function on four hours uh, sleep? I just make it happen. And how many nights a week do you do you perform, or you do you like every to, night, every single night, every night? Yeah. Oh, I never took a vacation. You never. I want, I want to take a vacation. You never taken after, a vacation after I finish. I am Maurice. I'm going somewhere. Yeah, if, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> You've never taken a vacation. Never, yeah, never. I, in this business, you, you, there's only like it kills me that some comedians who take a day off or go on vacation. We we average twenty minutes or even an hour a night. <laughs> Whereas, you, like, when I get up to go boxing and I'm on the train, I watch people during the rush hour. You can see how sad and miserable they are. They need a vacation. They work in eight to nine hours a day, and they come home, spend two, three hours with their loved ones or watching TV or, or eating, then they go to sleep and have to repeat. You know, we do, like, an hour. I'm like, oh, I need a vacation. I know you don't, motherfucker. Just <laughs> take a nap. Take a power nap. You're good. And when was the last time you, you were back in Haiti? Uh... Five years ago. Do you like to? What's that like? Do you have, do you have family there? I, not none. Not, all my family's like my immediate family's in in the U.S., but um, I have friends there. And I think what's also very beautiful, in a sense, is your desire to help immigrants and help people of color be promoted on a bigger stage. And I think through through that, I mean, through that is I am Maurice. I think is one way. And then you've also. Uh, Sponsored by NBC was the the Shortcuts oh, Festival. My, yeah, yeah. We I, talk about how that came to be, and for people that don't know, 
the Shortcuts Festival is, as I as I know it, is you did it for, you started a while ago. Yeah, 2006. And it's been either one day or two days? Two days. Two uh, one, one day, uh, semifinals in New York and the finals in LA. Right. And it's basically um, a festival that's dedicated to getting people of color on screen and uh, give them more of a platform yeah. to show their work. That's it, yeah. Behind the screens or behind the scene or in front of the scenes. And how did you get that together and where was the, was the inspiration um, to help, you know? Well, the inspiration was first to help myself <laughs> <laughs> to get my, uh, get my stories out. But then um, when I was doing it, I was doing the show at Caroline's where I was showing my short films and doing stand-up comedy in between. And I'm like, this should be a bigger thing. This should be like, we should get other filmmakers involved. So I was just, I was, I remember I was just putting it together how I'm going to do it. And a friend of mine, Demona Resnick, she's now, she's doing a, her own dating, her own dating site, by the way. If you, oh, wow. if you If you're What's single and you're looking for um, a, 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 a lifetime partner, Demona Resnick. I forgot what the name of her show is, but just Demona Resnick. Let me get her real name. Her, not her real name. I mean her <laughs> full name. And so... How did that? How did you kind of come together with NBC? Because it's NBC that sponsors it, right? Yeah, Demona Resnick Hoffman. Demona Resnick. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I, so Demona called me one day. I just cause we we kept in touch. Um, I did a show. I did an audition for her for for a showcase she had, and and then we after that we kept in touch. And she called. I came and watched. She called me, and she was just say, "Hey, so what you doing?" I'm like, oh, "I'm working on my film festival." And she said, "You have a film festival?" I'm like, yeah, yeah. She said, tell me about it. I told her what the cause was. It's to help to get people of color, you know, on the scene. Because, you know, the, at, at the time it was called Comedy Shortcuts. It was just short, funny films. And, um, and then she, there was a beat that was like a pause. And she said, I think NBC might want to work with you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, y'all should be working with me. Yeah. <laughs> no, she was amazing. She, um... And then, then she asked me to send a proposal, and I, I, I never wrote a proposal in my life. I know, so I just Google proposals, and and I, and I put one together, and I sent it to Mar. Oh, the the original, the original name was called Blow B L O, B L O with a with a line over the O Blow, and it's, it's, it was it was Black Latino and other film uh, comedy festival, short comedy festival, and um. And NBC was like, well, we don't want to go with Blow. It sounds like, it sounds like, you know, you know. And also, if it doesn't do well, people are going to be like, that festival really blowed. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I just kept it single. I simple. I just called it Comedy Shortcuts. And then we was doing well for two years. And then they came back to me. They said, hey, um, we, we're getting so much submissions from non-comedy stuff. But we don't want to start our own festival. Any way we could incorporate, you know, at first I'm like, I don't want to stop comedy. Good comedy with my life. But then, you know, I'm like, then within a minute, I just like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's just drop comedy. Just call it short film festivals. And that was it. And now, so tell people, can people, can anybody submit their anybody work? Anybody can submit. Um, Where can they find right, it? But this year we took a break. They're doing budget cuts. But next year... Um, we're hoping to start back up in February. Uh, NBC Short Film Fest is is, is the name, uh, and you could just submit. So you're working on I Maurice, or yeah? What's the? Can you talk about that process and what that's what that's been like for you? Because I imagine that's a lot of work, I mean, a lot of fundraising, a lot of work, a lot of people to you know 
talk to and partner up with? How's that experience um, been like thus far? Me and my partner, Brian Kennedy, he and I co-wrote this movie. We actually wrote like nine films. So wow. once that one is out, then we got like nine others. So that vacation going to be pretty <laughs> short. <laughs> going to be like a two-day vacation in, you know, in in Where's your Africa. ideal vacation? I don't know, somewhere definitely hot. You know, mm. people complain about this heat wave. I'm like, this is a heat this this, this is it's regular. Not, it like, hasn't even been that bad recently. No, I mean, and then people get excited like this. Can you believe this heat wave? It happens every year in July. Why you guys are shocked when this happened? Or when when it's like in February when it's really cold. Like, can you believe the cold? Like, yes. It happened last year in the yeah. last <laughs> 35 years. Like, why you guys are shocked? I can understand like newborns being shocked because yeah. they're newborns. Yeah. But they can't talk. Sorry. You're right. <laughs> so where so ideal vacation you'd say is oh wait what was it that was ooh, that was another question oh I, somewhere hot probably probably um, Haiti <laughs> uh, different parts of Haiti I haven't I haven't visited or or Africa uh, I definitely would like to go to Japan one day um, I only travel for for gigs so everywhere I've been to was for a gig like China Australia. New Zealand, South Africa. Do you have a favorite road story? Um, okay, I don't know. If this is one of my favorites. I don't know if this is the, the favorite, but this is one of the ones that stick out right now. I was in Australia. I was in... Um, hold on. Let me get this right. I also saw you did... Have you been to, you've been to China? Yeah. You did it. You did a set in China. I think I, I was watching the other day. You've been basically kind of all over, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I was in China for like I, three times already. I I love China. They love comedy. Do Do you feel like the same jokes resonate well all over the world, um, or do you adjust it based on the place you're at? I I feel like it's like when you tell a story, like some places will get it because they know the background. The background. So you just have to like. Tell a little bit more to explain, mm. you know. Otherwise, they're not gonna get it. And if you have, do you remember your favorite the, road story? Speaking of Australia, oh, the, or okay. The, the so I was in, I was in, um, I was in Kalgoorlie, Kalgoorlie, WA, Western Australia, and um, we was doing this tour, the the Melbourne International Comedy Festival Road Show tour, and I was the only black comedian. <laughs> Uh, so it is the, there's a host, there's four comics, and then I, I normally close the show. Not because not I was better than these <laughs> comics. Chances are because I was just different. You know, I was the only non-Australian. And, um, you know, and that's, ain't gonna do it. Oh, you know. So a lot of times it's not because you're a headliner. It's just, I'm just last. Okay. <laughs> All right, so, so, I, so, so I'm last in Kalgoorlie. And every, normally, every time I do these shows, I come out the whole, like the crowd, like, they all rowdy or whatever. Then when I come out, they all just get quiet. Because like, some of these towns, they never saw a black person ever yeah. up close, you know. So, you know, when I come out, they're like, what happened to the tent? What happened to the, you know. So I come out. So I was in Kalgoorlie. I come out and I go, what's up, Kalgoorlie? And some dude in the audience said, what's up, nigga? Right? Oh. And the whole place was like, oh, and they thought it was going to be like, you know, 
I was going to take out my guns and shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> or they, I don't know what they thought, but they were scared. You could see their looks in their face. What's going on in your head? I was like, oh, man, I, I really like, I don't, I really don't entertain that kind of behavior. But, you know, so I just told the dude, I said, look, dude, it's not cool, you know, um, but um, I'm not going to, you know, give you any more attention. I just went on with my show. And so I was selling my T-shirts and my uh, and my keychains at the time at every on the on the tour, and I sold the most ever. Really? Yeah. I'm like, I should plant an N word on every show, because they felt they were like, I'm sorry, that's not us. Please give me four shirts. I'm like, yeah, yeah, bitch, take four shirts. And then I, I just sold a bunch of shirts and keychains. I, I I actually sold out of T-shirts. Wow. And how do you like speaking of? people that either call out or just hecklers in general. How do you kind of deal with hecklers? And and sometimes if you're thrown, do you ever get thrown off by, you know, I mean that you walk on stage and somebody says that to you, how do you kind of like get back to equilibrium? I, I don't know. You've at the moment you, I, I find or figure it out. Like cause every moment is different. So every heckler is different. Every, every quote that they throw at you is different. So it's like, I, I, you know, the more shows you do, the more you could be prepared for it. But I, you still can't be prepared for everything. So you do your best um, to try, you know, diffuse it. Because sometimes, because uh, you could be doing really well and a heckler could come in the middle of the show and throw your whole show off. And, and I watch, even me, your show start bombing. Like, oh, man. So you got to find a way how to balance that and, and not, get, not to give that guy or girl too much attention because either A, they'll, they'll think they made the show, or B, um, they think they could continue heckling, or C, other people like, oh, wow, I, I'm going I'm to say something too. So you have to find, I had I to find a way on how to like shut it down and make sure they don't yabba dabba do again. Right. Do you still get nervous? You're... Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? Every, every night. Every night. Is it always like the same it's feeling? A different, it's a different feeling. It's still, it's still there. But it's a nervous feeling, like, 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 I just don't go up there thinking, like, I got this. Never. I don't think I ever had that, I got this. Is it just because that's how Only you are? Only when I say goodnight. Who <laughs> 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 I got this. Yeah. Oh, I, I had it. I, I did it. Or whatever the sentence is. Where do you think that stems from? Have you always, is that just kind of who you are? Probably. I just still don't believe in myself as much. Not in a bad way. I just... Still think I you every every performance you still have to prove yourself. Mm. I mean, look even like like the ones who made it, like Chappelle, he still had to prove himself, and probably even more so because of who he you know he you know he made his big name for himself. What's also so, so interesting for me is you know especially that night when I when I saw I saw you open and then I saw Chappelle is it's like night and day. <laughs> no, 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 but it's, it's, it's like kitty meal and like <laughs> no. a seven course meal. No, not at all. Actually, my mom was the one she, she, uh, she was like, I really like him. Like you should get him on the podcast. Does she so date like, black guys? Your mom? <laughs> She's with the Moroccan man actually right now. That's not black. Yeah, that's not black, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it's black. She'll know. Mama, you know, when it's a black person, the furniture will start be moving around. No, sorry. Um, but what's what's amazing to me uh, in hearing you say these things is both you and Chappelle. It's it's it seems at least to us that you're very relaxed. You know, I mean, you're at this point you're you're a very established comedian. I mean, you've doing been doing this for over 25 years. Been on basically all the biggest things you can be on. And I think what's also refreshing to hear is that you're still human. You still do feel nervous. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a volcano where, where you see a little smoke. Luckily, it's a nice volcano. But inside, it's, there's this... There's, but once you get on stage, does that... Do you kind of settle in? Probably third joke in okay. with laughter. Third joke in with, with... All three jokes have to have laughter. Do you, do you think about that a lot of how the crowd's reacting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you... Look... I, I keep calling Patrice. Patrice like is like you you don't want everybody to like you, but you want you still want to be acknowledged and liked, but you shouldn't try and make everybody laugh. Because then you're not being true to yourself. But you make a little like, you know, like the core people laugh and that's all that matters. Do you take it personally when people don't no, laugh? No, no, no. Can you do you ever Because it's their right not to not to think I'm funny. It's their right. I don't want to take that right away. You know, like, so what? So what? They, they have a preference. Same way I have a preference. So don't take that, that away from me. I won't take that away from you. And I think I also saw an interview recently. Do you get more nervous depending on the set? Like, are you more nervous for opening for Chappelle? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, Do you talk yeah. to him before? Does he what's, yeah, he, what's we, he? what's the conversation like before when you... Does he care? I mean, I've also heard, like, for people that uh, have opened for Chappelle or have worked with him... He's just—he doesn't give a shit what you do. Oh, that's another thing about like versus some other headliners is like they'll you know they'll give you a list of things not to talk about where Chappelle doesn't—he doesn't care. He—he wants you to be the funniest, you know, um, as you could be. He just you know, and he when I every time I get off stage, yo, how was the crowd? How was the crowd? Like he's still like you could see he's still. I'm like, do you, Dave? You care? Like he cares? Like he wants to know how the show was? Did they laugh? Are they having a good time? What's he like? before he goes on in the in the green room or just is he is he calm is he drinking smoking uh it varies he's just he's always like calm and you can see he's thinking and you know like you know probably smoking a cigarette and for you who's now been doing this as long as as you have been what you know how what's what's the next step for you do you do you set goals for yourself do you have things that you still haven't checked off um it's day by day, but yes, I I, I want to get this movie finished. I want to get you know, um, then probably you know work on a special. Probably you know, I'm not too cra- I'm not too crazy about it. I'm not too ex- I, I I'm not like they sometimes they want to get a special out. You know, if, if it happens, it happens. But I movies and stand up is like I just want to keep doing stand up and and putting out films. And TV shows. I have a couple of TV shows I'm working on. We'll talk about that in a quick second. We're going to take a quick break because we're going to talk about Manscaped. Uh Support for Where's This Going comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for all of your family jewels. Will, do you have any uh, manscaping stories for us? I'm on the first time I shaved my balls. All right, tell us about that. (laughs) It was... It looked bad. <laughs> I got I got really tiny balls to begin with, like <laughs> tiny, tiny balls. Okay. And so it didn't look it it didn't look good. Well, lucky for you. Lucky for, why is why is that lucky? I got something for you. Because uh, Manscaped oh. has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag maybe your small nuts. Um <laughs> Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Please do not use the same trimmer that you use on your face that you use on your balls. That's just nasty. No. 
it's gross. Um, Manscaped also has the crop preserver. You familiar with the crop preserver? I don't know what that means. I'll tell you right now. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Mm. Mm. You already put deodorant on your armpits, so why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? <laughs> Nico, you know Nico White. He's always yeah, at the yeah, cellar. Yeah. He was talk. He went on a great tangent. Um, <laughs> Josh remembers um, where uh, he's not a huge fan of, of ball deodorant. He's, he thinks that uh, somebody who has to wear ball deodorant really needs to reevaluate themselves in life. I, first of all, I, I didn't know that was a thing, ball deodorant. I, I just, didn't know that was a thing before. Um, I just wash before, your balls. I wash my balls and I put and I cream them down. Oh, so they're nice and soft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they. I think they so. I don't, you know. But um, <laughs> in, in case they're not, you can always use the. Uh, the ball deodorant and moisturizer, as I said. And when you go to manscaped.com, use promo code WTG and get 20% off and free shipping. Again, that is code WTG for 20% off and free shipping. Always use the right tools for the job. Will, your balls will thank you. Are there any testimonials from women? Well, ever since my man been using um, ball deodorant, I, I, they're in my mouth longer. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to find out. Well, we'll get Manscaped to send you some. I got um, peppermint tasting deodorant for my man's balls. And uh, I I do more humming and less yapping. I don't know. Um, that's, uh, who, that's who we should be doing the testimonials for Manscaped and ball deodorant. That's a good idea. We'll have to pitch that. Hey, dudes, dudes ain't t- testing their, tasting their own balls or smelling their own uh, balls. You, you hope not. Yeah, well, I mean, it's their their own prerogative, but still. Yeah, it's their own issue. Anyways, I want to talk about um, talk about Patrice O'Neill a lot, and I know you were you were roommates for for a long time. Yep, I think seven years or something. Can you talk about kind of the effect that he's had on your life, and also, you know, personally, and also from a comedic standpoint? Uh yeah. I mean, comedy. He just made me think about comedy different. Um, you know finding your voice so he, he he so he tell he told me one time everybody has a rhythm you know you don't have to hear the jokes da 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 he said every comic has a certain rhythm certain frequency they put out and he and and then so we was we was listening to a comic where somehow we muted the sound but we heard the and and we could he could tell when laughter laughter so oh that's what we we muted the comic, we, once he got, the, he was doing the rhythm, and he, he said, "Okay, mute the TV." Da, 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 and said laughter, and then you saw the crowd laughing, and da, 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 laughter. I'm like, "Oh shit!" And so he said that the, 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 he told me the main thing about comedy is finding your voice, finding your. He said like you could write jokes all day, but your voice is important because that that voice is easy to write for because it's your voice. So I so he goes, we go on stage to get practice. But he said the most practice we get is off stage. So he he said like, the more just practice. The, oh no no, I'm paraphrasing. So basically, have something funny or interesting to say about anything. So it don't have to be funny, but interesting to capture their attention. And then if it's not interesting, at least make it funny. And how do you? How does one find their voice in comedy? <laughs> Keep 
your voice is just natural and it's just like is your the voice that you're comfortable and you and you're you're comfortable in answering anything and do you feel like comedian will is the same person that's yeah most more more real more world less, will? yeah How? i it just it's just on stage it's just more jokes cuz i'm just talking yeah but that but doing and you know you've worked with a lot of i mean probably the best comedians in the world you know uh you're on top 5 with chris rock Oh, that movie, yeah, that, movie, that was yeah. a great movie. Um, I mean, you know, uh, you're with the the Wine Brothers, Chappelle, all of them. You said the Wine Brothers, Wyan, Wayan, Wayan, the Wyan Brothers. What? That's new. <laughs> That's new. Anyways, yeah, Wayan. Yeah, Damon Wayans, man. He saw me at, at a club in L.A. He just took me on the road with him, man. He's like, like he's a, he's a, he's a, he was the first one to actually told me to do anything. I remember the first show I did with him on the road, I was very clean. I didn't do any of my, like, killer jokes. And then I got off stage. He said, yo, what, what, the, what was that shit? I'm like, I, you know, it's your show. I just want I, I didn't want to say, like, you couldn't follow me, but I just wanted to be respectful. Like, I didn't want, you know, like, and he, he says, no. He said, the, the funnier you are, the less funny I have to be. Because once you give them a show, now I can just go and relax. So he was the first one that allowed me to be me on stage. Like, he didn't give a, like, damn. Like, he, wa he wanted me to be really funny. And I remember I was so relaxed with him versus, like, other headliners I worked with. And do you feel like, for the most part, comedians support other comedians? Yeah, yeah. Most of the work we get is from other comedians. You know, like, I mean... Uh, Louis takes a bunch of comics with him on the road. Amy takes we 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 support like we don't we don't take you know the mailman on the road like you know we we get a lot of times comics com most of the work I, that I experience is from comedians. And who in your eyes are some of a couple of of some of the best up and coming comedians that you have your eyes on? Oh man, I'm I'm such a fan of comedy. It's just like some of my best is like is, uh, we'll be here all day, but um. The young, the, the ones, I mean, there's like Joe List, there's uh, Mark Norman, there's uh, Sam O'Rell, there's uh, Joe Mackey, uh, C&C Smith. Um, Sam J. Um, Chris Red. Uh, I could go on. There's like so many dumb comics. Like they like, I mean, they're like fire. Like, you know, I'm just like, a, I'm, I'm just, I'm like one of those old school, like when around these guys, I feel like I'm not even a comic. I'm just like an interviewer or like, all right, the next guy up, you know, that's how good they are. Do you like to watch comedy on your own time outside of the clubs? Nah, nah, I, no. I mean, my time is limited. So I, try, I spend it, you know, either working on my scripts, you know, uh, uh, watching the news for the most part. Yeah. And you talk about... Um... When I had a girlfriend, she got me to like a bunch of Netflix shows and 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 I, I, that's, during that time, I was watching a bunch of shows at that time. And it, it, it was helpful because it allowed me to, um, to see... To, sometimes you just get too much into your bubble. And, and then, you know, I got out of that. So it was cool. How, how would you describe the the state of comedy today? I think it it kind of sucks. <laughs> really? Because you got all these bloggers who just who who's attacking everything you say. It's like it's like you can't say anything anymore. 
You know, like like you got back back in the days we had like what five channels, seven channels, right. and something hurt your feelings, you just turn to the next channel, right? Or if a newspaper hurt your feelings, you just don't buy that newspaper anymore. And nowadays you figure we have way more channels, hundred three four thousand channels or whatever. We the internet. And so, like, still people, like, you know, like, you have more options. If something bothers you, go to, go to something else. Go somewhere else. It's like, why do you have to, like, you know, attack every little, you know, everything? Like, I think the PC thing was good up to a point, and now it's just getting out of hand, you know. And, and, then, and then you got these people who just feel entitled, like, or, like, and I'm, I know it's not you, but, like, white people calling the cops on black people for no reason. Like, are you serious? You know, like. Yeah. A little black girl just selling water. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? No, you're 100 percent right. Do you feel like you as a comic has to tailor your jokes or maybe not say something that would be that can offend somebody nowadays? No, I, as long as it doesn't offend me, I'll I'll say it. <laughs> does <laughs> it anything, does you, any- that, that's your you gotta go home and deal with that. You know what I'm saying? Right. But and- I try not to like uh, let me not let me be careful because it might hurt someone. Then you're not being true to yourself, you know. I feel like that's the way we learn. Also, like if I say something wrong, okay, I know it was wrong, and then I, you know, I if I really care about or I have empathy, then yeah, I'll, I'll adjust and not not say that anymore. But I, how I'm gonna learn, you know? I hate I hate when when someone says something racist, and they got you know they got to do an apology. That that you're not gonna change their their feelings. They they just gonna. Say I'm sorry, so you could have had their job. It's like let them, let them just let the company, company, you know, feel the way they feel. I just won't support them, right? But you know, do you feel like? I mean, we were talking about a little bit before um, when you first came in. I still think in this hypersensitive like PC era, the one place, even when I, when I was at the cellar the other night, is you feel like what's what's refreshing is that you still feel like there's nothing that's off limits. Once you get into a comedy club, yeah, it's still oh, I, another name I forgot. Adrian Ampolucci. Speaking of, because she goes, she pushes that bar. Like she pushes that. She she goes there. Is seeing other comics like push it make you feel like oh, okay, maybe like I I'm, I'm still good saying something like this. No, no, it just feels good to see that like people like her is courageous and she's a female. You know what I'm saying? So so and she's pushing the bar and and not that she don't care, but. Just how she feels, like she shares a right to say how she feels, like you know. But it's good to see that that's that's like she's doing it and don't care. Do you feel like don't as, care about people's feelings? That it, that is of right. How do you feel that women are? Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm curious because you know. Uh, there's always d- debate um, in sports and especially in Hollywood of the the pay gap and the the inequality. Do you see women in, in the comic world more getting more headliners or more uh, time on stage as opposed now as opposed to back maybe twenty or thirty years ago? You know, you know, I I I can't really comment on what happened like I got comment like I know for black comics I'm I walked into this club um well I won't say the name of the club and and the guy at the door or the the owner the who was whoever was running the show he told me um he looked me by my face he said oh we already have our black comic for the week and I go and I was like oh okay and I thought that was like 
the norm. I'm like, okay, I wow. guess, I guess I'll go to, a, I'll look for a club that don't have a black comic for the week. Wow. So, so, but, so I never, so being that is not my struggle or fight. I never thought about females having to struggle and fight all white female comics have to struggle. I just thought, you know, I, I saw it, it didn't hit me that, oh, wow, they, they struggling as well. I knew women were struggling, but like sometimes I didn't think it was in the comedy world. I just thought if you're funny, you're funny. And then kind of find out they, they struggling just as much or more than, well, yeah, more than men, especially a black female comic because right. she's black and she's a female. Do you feel... If you had, if you had to give advice for the next generation of comics or a young comedian, what what do you think is the best piece of advice you could give? Don't read your comments on YouTube. <laughs> don't don't yeah ignore the ignore that because then it's gonna sway you and try to make the world make everybody happy. Just make just if it's funny to you and you and you truly believe it. Like if you're just saying stuff to be mean, there's some people comedians who just say things to get the clickbait, to get more likes, to get more followers, but they don't, deep down inside, they don't believe that, then, then they're not true to themselves. But if you believe in that, then fine. Just, you know, you learn, either you're going to learn or not learn, or you're going to, or you will teach us, you mm -hmm. know? What's the best piece of advice you've ever received as a, as a comedian and as, as a, as, as a person? Uh, mm, so many, I, I don't know. <laughs> you had to pick if, one that you can Maybe remember. the one that Patrice told me about finding your voice and, and or how to tell a joke a, a thousand times but saying it like it's the first time. Do you do that when you're preparing for your, to go on stage? I don't prepare. <laughs> I just... Really? I, I, I'll, I'll figure out the bullet notes who I want to talk about and that's it. And, but I try to keep it as fresh as, as I can. There's also something that I think is, um, that I really liked in, in both your sets when I saw uh, the Chappelle and, and at the Cellar is... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna give it away. But I think no spoilers. Spoiler no, no, free show. No, no, no spoilers. <laughs> but you do. I think there's a, a party that's genuinely interested in where people are from. Well, people, pe well. Oh, wait. Maybe that's another advice I I got from Chappelle. He's fascinated by people. So when I hear about people where they're from and their stories and you know how it's like how's life over there was was was. So I I just I just I'm just. I just love to know more about the world and, and people. And do you think, I also, in, in doing that kind of, again, no spoilers, when you, when sometimes when you get on stage just to get to know your audience, do you feel like that also kind of breaks attention or brings you closer to it, the audience? It makes, it makes everybody more like, you know, like who's in the house and make, it makes it more like a family type of like, you know, we're all like in this, like, you know, like the cafeteria where the blacks are here, the whites are here, the Spanish people are here. But now, you know, hey, everybody, we all blah, blah, blah. So it's all kind of like make everybody like, you know, chill. And that's when I host. Do you, do you prefer, do you like hosting? Because right Either now you're... Either one. I, it's still, I'm still performing. It's right. Like, yeah, where I'm doing a set or hosting. Do you feel like um, more comedians, do you feel like the, the, the way to, to kind of first get into it is by just doing shows. I've heard, you know, I had, I had Nico White on here who does over 500 shows per year, which is, which is a lot. Um, That's, that sounds about right for a more average comic. Really? I mean, yeah. If you work every night and you're doing like three, four shows a night, you're going to, what, three, six, five days? Yeah. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to push 500, 700 shows. Do you feel like the, 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 it's a true grind 
to to be a comic, especially in a big city like New York or LA? Or do you feel like you can kind of get away with just doing one or here here or there kind of open uh, mics? I, I, dude, I don't know. I I know. I I just feel like if you're passionate about it, there's no there's no there's no rules. There's no there's no there's no such thing as too much. You know, oh, I did too many shows. No, there's no. If you're passionate, but if you if you're really hungry, you just you out there just doing it. And you're not even thinking about. You're not even comparing yourself to. Just comparing yourself to yourself. How you know? What did I do yesterday? How can I be better than I was yesterday? You know. Do you compare yourself to other comics? No, no. Otherwise, I. I mean, I obviously when when I was young, I used to. And then when you, when you know, like example, like watching someone like Chappelle, someone kills. And then he goes up behind that, and then because he's not comparing, he's not trying to do better. He's just trying to do better than he than the best he did, and that which makes better sense. Do you have one? You might have touched on it a little bit. Do you have one best piece of advice that Dave Chappelle has given you? Um, man, Dave says so many things. <laughs> uh, I think to um. Not, not not that he giving me, but watching him, uh, just how he interacts with people. Mm. Like he really likes, like he's like a celebrity. Like he, if you didn't know who he was, he looked like he just part of that group. That part, like if you see a crowd of people, just and, you know, because the way he interacts, where he's he doesn't have like security like that. He he doesn't have sunglasses. Like he he can't talk to you. Like he talks to people. He does he doesn't like pictures because he feel like ah. You just want a picture, but if you if you're interested, you got a story to tell, and you and he'll kick it with you. What do you hope is the is the Will Slavin's legacy? Oh, uh, um, I don't know. Just I don't know. <laughs> I never thought about that. Maybe my I am Maurice. If, if I could get that done. Speaking of, I am Maurice. Go to GoFundMe.com/slash I am Maurice. Yep. You can find. Will, he has a great website, Will Sylvins, that's W-I-L-S-Y-L-V-I-N-C-E dot com. Instagram and Twitter, Will Sylvins. Will, truly. Sorry there was not enough punchlines in this interview. Another, well, at least now we know your balls are small. <laughs> my, yeah, my balls look like, my balls and my penis look like. <laughs> what do they look you like? Ever, you, ever, you know those, those small little backpacks that for like kids? <laughs> Imagine a grown man with that backpack, <laughs> right? A big ass dude, big muscle bound dude. Wow. So my, my, that's what my balls, and my penis look like. Well, at least from this interview, people will know that what your balls and your penis look like. Yeah, that's always important. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank I'm you, truly, man. truly honored to have you on the show. And uh, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be on here. Perfect. Thank you.